What's your favorite space marine, Hunter? There's lots of space marines in the history of science uh, fiction. There's you got your starship you troopers, you got your aliens guys, you got your Halo folks, you got you know the, the your your army in Halo. You got StarCraft Terran little dudes. What's what's the space marines you like? Um I don't know. I've never thought about this before uh in my whole life because <laughs> why would I? It's such a what a question. Um I like I mean, I do like how the Terran and StarCraft are like, you know, rednecks. That's uh -huh. like probably one of my favorite things about them. Yeah. That's probably one of my favorite. If there was a subgenre of science fiction that was just Hicks in space, uh -huh. <laughs> I'd be all over it. Uh -huh. You know, like yeah. the Terran and StarCraft, uh, the, the that episode of Cowboy Bebop with the trucker lady uh -huh. and like the old dudes in Cowboy Bebop that are like, back in my day, <laughs> I, I worked on that. that like there was no tomorrow like those guys yeah like i just love the idea of if in the future science fiction has allowed the human race to maybe conquer the solar system mm. or you know spread amongst the stars but they're still a bunch of fucking hicks yeah you know what i mean like they're not they haven't become like cool or cultured or yeah. interesting yeah. they're just out there just kind of you know Puts and around. You still you know? got blue collar work everywhere. Uh -huh. <laughs> there's there's, yeah. there's and good I, honest I, work at, at all times of history. Uh huh. And and I think that's you know that's that's what I really respond to. Um, if I had to answer your question earnestly, though, I would have to say it's the Space Marines from the Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers adaptation oh. because they just have the chunky like kind of circular helmet uh -huh, stuff uh -huh. which i've heard is supposed to make them also look like bugs <laughs> so it's supposed to be like they are just a reflection of uh -huh. the bugs they are in fact fighting starship troop paul verhoeven's starship troopers one of the greatest movies ever made because it is a satire piece uh -huh. where i am damn near certain that the only person well a couple there's two people it, that you see on screen that I think know what's going on. And that's Clancy Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Krabs, and Michael Ironside. Actually, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris probably figures it out, too. Yeah. But yeah. everyone else is fucking clueless <laughs> as to, like, what the movie means or what they're talking about. They're just, like, trying to be hot, yeah. you know? They're yeah. just, like, hot people. Like, And I love the idea, if I were to make a movie, I would at least make one movie where I tricked hot 20-year-olds <laughs> to be in my deep, dark, yeah. Yeah. fascist satire movie. I'm sure like, that's, I'm sure that's intentional. Do. Like, that's a feat of directing on behalf of Paul Verhoeven. He's like, yeah, yeah, oh, just yeah. go ahead and, no, you're, you're just, you're just beautiful. Stay in the screen there. That's nice. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. Welcome to the Old Gamer's Almanac. It is time to definitively rank the 100th game on our list of every game every week at a time. I'm Matt Martins, and I'm here with Hunter Donaldson. Yeah, hey, it's me. Um, I, I, yeah, let's approach this with uh, some seriousness. 
pomp uh, and circumstance. Speak. It's all yeah. it's all come to this. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Just so you know, Matt, and I mean, I'm. Fe it feels like you're completely out of the loop here. Oh, but what? We are not ranking this game today. Oh, we are ranking shoot. this game for like a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. a special. I'm gonna say short season within a season, <laughs> uh, where we will talk about StarCraft in a series of discussions, uh, culminating in a conclusion discussion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because StarCraft, the original StarCraft, is that damn important. Yeah that it needs this level of coverage. Also, it's our way of celebrating having done this show for two years. Congratulations, Yay, Matt, congratulations, on having Hunter. been on the show for two years. You did it. Uh, it's also uh, <laughs> only the second RTS we've ever covered and probably the only one we're like covering super like well, <laughs> I would say. Uh, yeah. So very excited to actually dig in deep. Is that, well, okay, is that a dig? Like, do <laughs> no, you wish we had covered more they've RTSs? They've been hard to cover. some sort of issue? No, they're just yeah. difficult. We've, in the past, we've had multiple other attempts that were never even, like we did a Command and Conquer episode, but we had other attempts at episodes we almost did and then we like started playing the game and we would instantly be like, oh man, I don't know, I, we, I, we don't have time. To do when this. did we do that? What are you talking about? We did. Uh, we tried. There was a. There was about a week there where we were going to do Empire Total War. Uh, I specifically remember that. There have been multiple mentions of why don't we throw an Age of Empires into the into the schedule, and then we never went for it. It's. it's yeah, it's, we never went for it because Age of Empires sucks <laughs> and Empire Total War sucks. We're not going to cover bad games, okay? Uh, there's no one here to defend a Age of Empires 2. We don't oh, have nobody. an Age of Empires 2 We don't. Interesting. So we That's just funny. don't. Oh, uh, so we've got no one on the show that likes that game, uh -huh. so like it's hard yeah, to make weird. time for that a game really that gonna no be, one that's literally... going to be tough to, to do as we start to talk about this game, and then all I'm going to talk about is my <laughs> that I was just oh, playing Age of Empires oh, 2 I, at this time. Don't worry, Matt. I know how it works. We, we, we get something very particularly special to me together, I wrench my heart out for it. And then you talk about whatever you feel like talking about that week, but that's the formula. Okay. That's how we're doing it. I remember the Final Fantasy VII episode. This is going to be that again writ large. I begged you to talk more about Final Fantasy VII in that episode. <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't let me hear you out. You wouldn't let me. Let's, let's, can we first start with Starcraft is this like absolute behemoth in many different facets. Uh, but what is behemoth going on? Of many facets. You have a poetic yeah. mind. Thanks, man. A behemoth with many facets yeah. coming right off it, that behemoth. Where is Starcraft at these days before we go all the way back? Okay. Where is Starcraft in 2023? Um, well, uh, I feel like uh, our buddy uh, Cole Worley might update us on the state of starcraft 2 as it exists now it does yeah. sound like it's pretty interesting i will let um we we might be having cole on in a future episode yeah. uh, so look forward to that uh and he might be able to update us on the state of the game yeah but it is interesting to be talking about starcraft at a time where blizzard uh and activision have just now finally yeah <laughs> mr bill gates himself was eyeing he wanted to have it mm -hmm. he wanted to have it yeah. he was well like, he I wanted want call of that. duty and they happened to be in the same company he wanted all of it sure he don't do not do not limit <laughs> mr gates greed he also wanted candy okay. crush he really wanted candy crush he really wanted starcraft and he really wanted call of duty he said he wanted to have all of them mm -hmm. and let me tell you something it, we've been going through this has just been such a long phase lately 
of everyone just buying up every piece of intellectual property that is just out there and then they own it and then what they do jack shit with it i mean have you noticed (laughs) that that's all that happens yeah has that not been the trend thus far is you hear like Oh, so-and-so IP got bought by some large right. conglomerate. Oh, cool. Does that mean there'll be a new project? No, there yeah. will not be. There, no new project. They, they hired 10 people so that they can announce they're firing them in about a year, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, I don't know how these people are spending their money yeah. or how they figure how much stuff happens to be worth, uh, but I, I don't, I no care. And I feel like overall, the fact that StarCraft is now owned by Master Chief now that Master Chief is the warlord of StarCraft, I feel like we're kind of in a bad spot yeah. for StarCraft. Yeah. Because guess what? I don't know if you've ever looked at Halo, <laughs> but it's basically StarCraft, yeah. bud. And, yeah. and I mean, not to say that StarCraft invented any of this stuff either. Sure. It's all just Warhammer 40K <laughs> all the way down. Yeah. Okay? That's the funniest That's- one because there's a famous StarCraft board game that they lost the license to and is literally just a warhammer 40k game now like that the board game got completely spliced over and guess what can't tell the difference it's just the same thing (laughs) yeah so i mean like in a way i think microsoft will might look at starcraft as a little bit of a redundancy as far as like what properties they want to emphasize or not i mean maybe this means that we'll get new starcraft stuff probably Probably not, and yeah. that's okay. StarCraft can live in the past, as right. far as I'm concerned. People will be playing StarCraft for a hell of a long time. Yeah. Like, that's just true. It's so, proven itself this far, so why does it need yeah. anybody to do anything else? <laughs> it, it does. It has transcended its time period of release. Yeah. It's transcended its genre. Uh, the RTS is dead, but StarCraft yet lives. Right. I mean, who cares? <laughs> I don't care who owns StarCraft. Uh, we own StarCraft as far as I'm yeah. concerned. If you have yeah. a copy of StarCraft, you own it. And Bill Gates can't tell you what to do with it. And Master Chief can't tell you what to do with it. And Marcus Phoenix can't tell you what to do with it. Um, although it would be hilarious for them to release StarCraft and include all of the various space marines yeah. that Microsoft owns. Right as uh alongside the kind of normal terrans that would imagine jim rayner having an argument with marcus phoenix that'll be all the costumes you can buy for for your your updated thing you know you all all of your dlc purchases will just be costumes of the other space marines that are owned sure it'll be or maybe it'll even be deeper than that starcraft 3 the chunky boys where it's just (laughs) big chunker boys with their giant pauldrons Uh every every space marine has like the biggest shoulders i've ever seen yeah yeah i don't know why the shoulders are so important but they just seem really really important that's where the oxygen tanks are you can't lose the shoulders or you're in big trouble you're completely out of oxygen but they just keep it all in huge tanks in the shoulders that's my guess yeah yeah, that is, what a good guess that is. You <laughs> nailed it, I think. It's safe. There's nothing that's going to happen up there. It's not directly yep. in the line of fire of other things. You know, it's, yeah. it's a really Can't good shoot spot. It. <laughs> Can't shoot it. Um, but I, I just want to speak a little to, like, why are we choosing to be this uh, precious about StarCraft? Why do we have yeah. uh, so many things to, I think, say about StarCraft? And and I would say, for me, I don't, I'll, I'll let you... You, I'm going to say my piece and then sure. you kind of jump in and as to whether you agree with this or not. Um, there is this, uh, I was a big fan of uh, the uh, music journalism blog slash website or whatever, whatever you would call them uh, website uh, 
uh, Pitchfork. Yeah. Uh, in the early in the aughts, that's where I got a lot of my music taste was from reading uh, the early aughts Pitchfork. Now I no longer care. I, I do do not read Pitchfork. I don't I don't read what anybody has to say about music. I just listen to music and decide whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's gotten a lot simpler. Um, <laughs> But there was this little passage I remember. I was reading the uh, one of the many listicles that Pitchfork was famous for writing. In mm. a way, it was Pitchfork, not possibly an inspiration for this show. Hmm, maybe. Mm. Uh, <laughs> they, they they were some of my favorite listicles. Their uh, their year end listicles. Their decade spanning listicles. Uh, they had a decade spanning listicle of uh, albums of the eighties, and there is this. This passage that I think about a lot um, where they're writing about the album Doolittle uh, by the Pixies. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to read it for you. Let me put it this way. If not for Doolittle, there would be no Pitchfork. In other words, the influence of this record is so vast that 15 years on, that's when this was written, 15 years on, it has altered the course of your life at this very moment. Uh that's a cool that's a cool way yeah. to frame i think an album's importance right. is to say that hey this album was so important that the fact that you're reading anything on this website right now <laughs> at all yeah. is because of this this album did not exist you wouldn't be hearing right. uh, or you wouldn't be reading this right now and i would say in that same way that if starcraft did not exist you would not have ever heard my voice yeah you wouldn't care having to do with video talking about <laughs> video games talking uh, definitely about twilight imperium i don't think i would have been into twilight imperium yeah if not for starcraft right starcraft anchored me yep. in the world of loving strategy games it anchored me in the world of loving science fiction goofy strategy yeah. games sure. and it anchored me in the world of like loving asymmetrical mm-hmm. complexity mm-hmm. faction specific abilities yep like it primed me to love the board game twilight imperium and if you it would be so awesome if you don't know why i'm bringing that up but you do that'd be cool this is (laughs) this is our lives is twilight imperium yeah and i i 100 percent do not think i would be here right now if not for having played uh starcraft to the extent that i did and loving it to the in a world where starcraft doesn't exist my entire life is completely different, right? Um, which is a weird thing to to realize about yourself. Yeah. It's crazy because I agree, and I never played StarCraft when I was younger. <laughs> I did not play StarCraft <laughs> one until like maybe 2011, maybe. Wow, I don't know. Like, I it's it's the one I missed the boat on. Uh, for me, it was uh, y'all got me to start playing Warcraft three once that was the kind of hot item. And uh, and then StarCraft 2 eventually came out and I got very into StarCraft 2 and then StarCraft has always looked like this perfect relic from before, basically. And to, to me, what has always been fascinating about it is like you can get into StarCraft 2 or really any RTS and then go look at StarCraft 1 and get it like under like see all of it and under like see the bones of everything and i'll say this we did command and conquer earlier uh this season and i don't feel the same way about that and and again i didn't play either of those games as a kid like i I, there's no nostalgia i have for either one of those in my childhood (laughs) but it's what like the way that starcraft uh made the genre more comfortable and and like easy to sort of figure out what's going on on screen 
is also then the reason why it is like the esport, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it being the esport is what then does everything else for me that Hunter just described, where it's like, oh, this is my whole life now. <laughs> this is the thing yeah. I pay the most attention to. I got like I remember when day nine TV was streaming on a website called justin.tv, which was the progenitor of twitch.tv. And I was trying to learn how to stream onto justin.tv so that I could stream myself playing StarCraft 2 and my computer wasn't up to snuff. And like, I've been chasing some version of that dream since then, basically. Yeah. And that's like, that's, you know, 2010, essentially. Yeah. Um, we are going to do an episode specifically yeah. about multiplayer. And I would like to, in that episode, spend a lot of time talking about Day 9 and... yeah. And, and the the various commentators that I feel like have also been a very strong influence over everything we do, yeah. uh, Twilight Imperium-wise. Um, but yeah, so in a way, so we sort of abandoned the uh, premise of this season. Um, <laughs> we kept StarCraft on the books because it has this level of importance. Yeah. But I do want to say, in a, in a sense, this is still the finale to me of the 90s PC gaming season. For sure. Even though we sort of abandoned the project. Yeah. Um, if anything, what I think happened was this theme was much too vast. Yeah. And I think required us to go in too many directions mm-hmm. at once. Yeah. And I think focusing on something like StarCraft that is like very core and important to the show um, is I think our way of kind of grounding this discussion yeah. uh, in something that can be just, just really important to the two of us. Yeah. And I did name drop the final fantasy seven episode earlier in my head. There's always, there is in the future going to be an, a sequel final fantasy seven uh, episode redux. where we do really break things down. Yeah. Um, and you are going to get a little taste of, some of the more embarrassing aspects of my history in this episode mm. that in the in a future Final Fantasy 7 episode I can really break down for you. I can't wait. Um, in deep uh, deep with a deeper understanding. <laughs> um, but uh, but let's kind of set the stage a little yeah. bit for um, for all StarCraft. Back in 1998 set the stage that is. Yeah. Um, so Warcraft and Warcraft 2 Tides of Darkness um, had been the the kind of precursors to StarCraft. Um, if you're not familiar, these games are real-time strategy games that had a little more of a, I would say, uh, comic book sensibility to them. They were, they were a little cartoonish. Mm-hmm. They were kind of silly. Um, they primarily were the competitors of the like Westwood yeah. real-time strategy games like uh, Command & Conquer, uh, and like Dune 2, they like that was like a one school, and then Warcraft, I feel yeah. like, was the other school. And to me, and I don't know how true this is, but it was my perception of it. Westwood was like the old guard, and Warcraft were like these kind of Beavis and Butthead like kids. Yeah, right. They were like much sillier, and they had a more, I would say, experimental vibe to them. Um, I really enjoyed, especially Warcraft 2 a lot. Warcraft 1, I played, but it was like after Warcraft 2 had already come out. Yeah. um, Because I'm, you know, I'm only 33. um, And, but I would play Warcraft 2 and I really um, enjoyed it. Uh, The thing that I think makes both both of those games 
uh, vastly inferior to what was going to come is how symmetrical they are yeah. as experiences. Right. Um, you can play as either the humans or the orcs in Warcraft. Mm -hmm. And while they do have different units with slightly different abilities, they are, for the most part, a one-to-one a -one reflection yeah. of themselves. Um, and also, humans are boring in Warcraft <laughs> and Warcraft 2. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're not playing as orcs... They're just orcs, fantasy humans. And, and They're just... Right. They, yeah, they suck. Yeah. They're not... And they're, they're the voice acting... The limited voice acting you get in Warcraft 2 uh, is it's much more fun to listen to the orc uh, voice actors <laughs> than it is to listen to the human ones. I'll yeah, just say that. Right. They're they're doing a lot better job. Um, did you did you ever? I know you didn't play Warcraft 2 back in the day, but have you ever come back around to it? I don't I don't know. I've never touched Warcraft 2. I've I've seen screenshots, and that's literally it. Never even seen video footage of Warcraft 2. Wow. Yeah. I well I will say this. It is a pretty game. Um, I think it like holds up as far as like the look of it. Uh -huh. um, I really like the animations for like the the orc grunts, like the way they walk around, the way the peons talk, the way every character has a jokey response to you clicking on them uh -huh. is to me like kind of a core thing. Like like I'll tell you a weird story. When I was um, in high school and I was auditioning for like like drama stuff. Yeah, sometimes. Like there, there was one time I was auditioning for um, Emperor's New Clothes, I think was the play that we were putting on. And I couldn't think of like what to do with, I was like auditioning to be some sort of like weird henchman character. Uh -huh. And so I just did an impression of like a peon from <laughs> Warcraft 2. And no one, they didn't know what that was. Yeah, yeah, nobody's going to call you on it. <laughs> no one's going to call me on it. I completely got away with it. And yes. I got the part off just doing like like basically stupid voice you know, yes me lord <laughs> like that type of stuff now actually that's a peasant that's not a peon yeah. but regardless it's the same same deal um and yeah that's how much like that yeah the whole idea of like oh you click on the guys and then they say funny stuff like right. that's just kind of ingr all of those voices live in my head well because yeah i mean I, we played command and conquer and i've checked out some more of uh, red alert which we did not do and if anything i wish we had done red alert of course, when we did yeah. our Command and Conquer episode, but I think we were trying to avoid too much just like 96 to 99 is all the season is, which is like sure. really what the season should have been. Actually, if we yeah. had just done 96 yeah. to 99, we would have had a more focused and stuff we wanted to do and, and have familiarity with. But regardless of that, uh, you know, Red Alert tried to go for some of this uh, light attempts at asymmetry as well, but like. Yeah. also not very hard uh to to the thing i was reading about it is we're also talking about an era where the multiplayer scene is really trying to figure things out it, you know internet capabilities are what they are basically and yeah. so the notion of a real-time strategy game you know on on 1994 net code is is like a right. whole other problem so realistically you have these multiplayer rts's that People are playing in lands, but it, you're not seeing that, like, more sort of global standard of, like, what's good and what's bad. So with Red Alert, like, it was known that, like, the Russian side, whatever they're called, is just is just good. You can just, like, tank rush and crush people or whatever. Like, the imbalances were really, really bad. And especially when you have just two coins, you have two sides to a coin, uh, orcs or humans or uh, uh, Americans or Russians or whatever it is, like, you the imbalances are so much more stark so the world starcraft enters that's always been so fascinating to me is like 
we're gonna th this is where we start to establish Battle.net as a thing like we're gonna have good online capabilities and we're gonna match <laughs> with that i mean good is relative in 1998 yeah, sure. but, but yeah. i mean at the time it was revolutionary <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was also very very persnickety uh but we're gonna match with that too starcraft's big gambit basically is we will have three wildly distinct factions that aren't just like oh they have like different units they like function differently you must right. think about them in different ways and i really do think to, to your point of the voices and stuff i think so much of this stuff is reinforced in blizzard games because they do focus on like some sense of character in right. their games and that's what never gripped me about like command and conquer is you have these goofy fmv cinematics that are funny but then once i'm in the game uh, it's just war and that's how i felt i was just like oh yeah. my gosh it's just this ugly this ugly war thing but like starcraft and warcraft convince you it's not really a war thing even though it like obviously is you're like yeah but it's goofy stupid war like it's obviously right. goofy stupid war i'm not being asked to like nuke a place that exists on earth or whatever like i'm just i'm just playing with these stupid things that say silly things every time i click on them and that's reinforcing this sense that these are like three very different species that have a whole different hierarchy of needs or whatever and uh like there's this long buildup that we'll talk about later but like the long buildup for me when you f are finally introduced to a protoss is so fascinating where it's like you it, they really like sort of just tease them for a long time you you don't mm. get to know really any protoss and i it like adds to like the air of mystery kind of around them and then once you start playing as them the voices you have with them are just this like ethereal i don't know how to describe it but like everything feels muppets how <laughs> that's how i would describe them muppets. they are muppets. Sure. they're like dark crystal muppets yeah yeah absolutely they are the most difficult to take seriously <laughs> of all of the characters but like, but yeah, I, you're right. They're I'll, so ethereal. No, but it's it it is like there. The sense of character is so ingrained in each thing that then as you play it, like you feel. I get. I, I feel like you feel what you're doing with each of them when you play the Zerg. Yeah. Everything is so nasty and gross sounding that it feeds into like what you're doing with the faction. This is what. I, so there's a cup. There's been a couple moments in games where uh, a game would come out with some sort of execution of of story that felt in tone so one-to-one -one mm. with you know a, a genre of television storytelling or or film sto uh, storytelling that it would feel like this kind of revelation like i remember and i don't know how right i was but it was i mean i was like 20 or whatever when mass effect 2 came out i said this is like i'm watching something on the level of like a star trek tv show yeah. now i think i have a higher regard for star trek <laughs> but at the time that felt right i was like yeah. oh it's like i'm watching star trek we're at that level yeah. of story execution starcraft and warcraft 3 and warcraft 2 are more like oh it's like i'm watching like the transformers tv show <laughs> where it's like it's kind of a bogus premise yeah yeah and the characters are funny yeah but they are not winking at you at all. Right. In fact, they're super in like they're in this world. Yeah. You know, they're they're not they're not being ironic. They're not being meta at all. Um, and they really they really ham it up. Sometimes they get very dramatic when it is <laughs> uh, time to do that. Just like the Transformers, though. Right. And 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 the Transformers. 
that's why you know you have these kids that like they loved the transformers cartoon and then they watched the transformers movie and it like famously made a lot of them cry yeah. and the people that made the movie got in trouble for making so many kids cry because just because something and that's kind of like part of the charm to me yeah. of the saturday morning cartoon tone mm -hmm. is that you're getting something silly you're getting something wild yeah. but you're also getting something with heart that is invested in itself this yeah. is also why in a way in a sense the storytelling of starcraft 2 was always doomed to fail mm -hmm. because you were a child you had your your expectations were more reasonable uh -huh. and it is it is like you know you can't take the transformers and turn that into a, a meaningful i think story for adults yeah. without abandoning so much of what makes it transformers that i would say like what's the point yeah um and i would say that was part of the difficulty that i think starcraft 2 had to deal with as far as story goes so this is neither here nor there um let's get into i want to talk kind of personally before we get into like a gameplay mm -hmm. overview mm -hmm. um because i was it, it, we're talking about story in in a kind of wide berth right now i want to talk to you about how much this this story, the storytelling of StarCraft, which, by the way, the story is told to you through mission briefings, where yeah. you just watch little canned animations play out and voice actors read a script. Um, sometimes the story plays out a little bit inside of each mission, which is delivered in a very, like, almost Final Fantasy mm -hmm. six or Final Fantasy IV uh, type way of the characters. don't They don't really have any animation. Yeah. We're just seeing text on screen and maybe some voice actor stuff. Um, so how sorry, do they tell sorry. The best example of that is like if a character has to die in a dramatic scene. Well, the death animations for everything in StarCraft is the body explodes. So yes. it's like like so there's, there's a explodes. very pivotal scene late in the game when it's like two people are in basically a gun standoff and they sh one of them shoots the other one and you're it's supposed to be like oh he got shot but then the other guy's body blah, like blood yeah. and guts everywhere and They're it's dead. like well. Oh, yep. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a type of theater. Um, so I was so invested in the story of these games that here's here's a handful of embarrassing things that I did when I was like, I mean, I'm like eight or nine yeah. when when these are coming out and I'm and I'm I'm playing them for the first time and getting really into it. Um, first of all, I immediately started buying the StarCraft uh, books. Um, Hell uh, yeah! All, yeah, I got really into those. Uh, there's one in particular that is basically just a retelling of the Terran campaign. Uh, from the original StarCraft. It was called StarCraft Liberty's Crusade. Um, and I really loved the idea. One one thing that this does that is fun uh, to me is they make the player character, because you do sort of have a character that yeah. you play, um, which generally they only refer to you... Uh, the Zerg campaign does a better job of this, but a lot of times they just refer to you as this type, this person, yeah. at the very beginning of the first mission, and then never again. You are never <laughs> referred to again. Um but this book kind of makes the player character into a character, which is kind of interesting. Mm. Um, and it's like, you're not like the main character, but you are like, you're just kind of more mentioned in there. Uh -huh. And this, reading this book had this interesting effect on me where I sort of did the lightest amount of role playing when I played StarCraft. Hell yeah. When I'm, when I was watching like the mission briefings, yeah. I would watch it as if I was having some sort of back and forth with these characters and be like okay they were sarge <laughs> <laughs> like they were asking of me 
to do this mission yep. that I'm about to do. But ultimately, I'm the one who is going to make the call, yep. you know, as far as what we do in the mission. Uh-huh. So I would listen with this this kind of hilarious, like, self-importance that these, you know, fake characters are actually talking exactly to me. Uh-huh. And I have to really listen because... I, you know, I'm in charge here, you know, I'm in charge. And so I need to listen to my subordinates, yeah. basically. Hell yeah, man. Well, that's so EJ and I have a show where we talk about kids books and there's a lot of talking about like, what do kids actually like and what do kids actually get invested in? Because there's so much stuff that's written for kids. That's like what a parent wants the kid to watch. Of course. And this really speaks to that for me, where it's like, listen, <laughs> listen, man, kids will grasp onto fucking anything. Okay. They will. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's like, if it feels like they're really talking to yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. you know, <laughs> and, and just the idea of being addressed as if I ha- am important and need yeah. to like make these decisions you gotta and that do it's this. important what I think and how I do uh, the stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I like, I, I liked that feel of it. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I, I, did that strong enough to where whenever I watched the mission briefings now, I couldn't remember like how I would like think about it. Yeah. And it does, it does make me a little uncomfortable. I did happen to stream some of this game uh, like last weekend. Thanks to anybody who uh, checked out the stream. I was uh, streaming the Protoss campaign Mm -hmm. Um, and it was weird to like sit through the mission briefings and remember (laughs) like my weird childhood brain, (laughs) how you used to think about this. Well, yeah. g- give me more. De- like, what do you mean? Like, what are, are you just talking about a state of mind or like, were you like interacting with it? No, I I, I was not talking to the screen. Yeah. It was kind of, but it was like a state of mind yeah. of feeling like, like of reacting to, you know, if Jim Rayner is talking to me about something mm-hmm. that my response to listening to him is like emotional, yeah. like. Oh uh, yeah, like Jim Rayner would be like, we really gotta, we gotta escape. We, we like in the final mission of the Terran campaign, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you have to blow up this ion cannon in order to make a getaway. Yeah, I would listen to that mission briefing, being like, we're so, we're so fucked, man. <laughs> this is tough. We are really screwed on this one, Jim. Let's get in there, Jim. You and me. <laughs> it's not like I would respond out loud, but yeah. that's like the type of stuff I yeah. would be thinking. I would be fantasizing that I was interacting with these characters. Yeah. Um. In much the same way that I did with uh, the Final Fantasy games as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always wanted to, like, live in those worlds. And StarCraft is not really a world I wanted to live in, but it was a world I invested myself in uh, emotionally. Yeah. Now, that is not to say, this is not, I'm not really saying that the writing in StarCraft is good, by the way. I think there's a lot of people that let the writing off the hook because of nostalgia glasses. <laughs> I do not think the writing is good. Why? But when I was, a, I, I, just, I just think that it is... It's far too uh, hammy, mm-hmm. and it's a it moves too fast and is a little like derivative, basically. Yeah, well, okay, derivative, sure, but I think it is uh, a fine example of a knowingly derivative piece of work. Like I, 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 I really appreciate it for that aspect of because I mean, yes, most you you can boil every campaign and almost every single mission isolated to who is going to betray somebody in this mission? Like every sure. single time, it's just like so-and-so is going to get betrayal. backstabbed in this in this moment or whatever. So it's like the, the writing is certainly repetitive, but I don't know. You know what? Maybe it is, is I actually think the voice acting is like truly incredible for this era. 
for the uh, era it and it, i it's not bad it makes i i think it boosts the writing quite a bit probably is is the point then because yeah you're going off of character portraits with about 10 total frames of animation that just are yeah, on a cycle not a lot uh, and then like the the isometric view of the battlefield and the, the the character down there that's all you have to go off of but i do think you really feel the characters like playing out things i i think the voice acting is is quite good uh and really really helps there, there there's obviously stupid moments like the the relationship between jim and kerrigan is so 90s <laughs> that I, sure. I don't know what to what else to say about it uh yeah. it's it's very just like are you looking at my butt all right see you later <laughs> okay bye now and like whatever okay fine let's move on <laughs> but the the beyond that stuff i i think that like that's what draws me into it like i do kind of get invested in the story even now because i think the the voice acting i think it draws you in really well my process here is that i in, coming into this episode, um, I've been looking a lot at the multiplayer, mm. and I have uh, played the entirety of the original campaign. Yeah, I have not replayed Brood War yet. Right. I am letting that be in the unknown zone. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm gonna now have to play that. Uh, you know, I'll have a week to play through all of that. Um, but so I don't want to speak to Brood War's campaign mm -hmm. as far as how compelling or not I found it. I, I did find, and I think it's because all. all I know all of these lines so well. <laughs> I think I found it just a little bit like nails on a chalkboardy to me hmm. at times. It, it kind of like it it didn't it didn't resonate very well because I I, I just wish that it was having more fun mm. and not being so like so story focused. Yeah, that's that's I think essentially my problem with it is it is. Once the pace gets up of it, at the very beginning of the Terran campaign, there's some like kind of just slowly realizing like that there's a, a plot taking shape. Yeah. By the time you're in the Zerg campaign and in the Protoss campaign, we are just, you know, full steam ahead. Yeah. It's all story. It's all plot. We're just like, and, and there's just no room for any just hang, hanging out yeah, sure. or like getting to know these characters. They kind of just go right for the most dramatic angle uh -huh. uh, possible. And I do feel like if we got a little more time with them, they would endear themselves to us a little more, much in the same way. Again, Transformers is my touchstone for yeah, this. Yeah. So sure. what are the rules of Transformers? Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a show that has some serialization, but we spend a lot of episodes hanging out with the characters and, be, and liking them. Yeah. Right. I feel like a lot of the characters, not all of them. I think I like Jim Rayner. He's a he's a hick, and I'm gonna love a hick. Yeah, give me a hick, and I love a hick. <laughs> uh, Kerrigan is obviously a, a cool character that goes through a lot and is fun. Any of the Protoss characters, I don't know what the heck they're talking about, and I just get them away from me. The Zerg characters, uh, if a lot of them are just kind of like some of them have fun voices. So yeah. actually, there's there's Zaz or whatever right. the the Cerebrate. Yeah, he's fun. Anytime he p chimes in, it's very fun. The Overmind is ridiculous to have to listen to. Arcturus Manx is just a kind of bland, uh -huh. uh, I would say, kind of bad uh, villain character mm -hmm. uh, that is like not. He doesn't really like. He's just not very compelling to yeah. me. Um, yeah. And I want to like the bad... Like, if I like some of the good guys, I want to like some of the bad guys, too. Yeah. Um, and with the Protoss characters, I don't really like any of them at all. Uh -huh. You know, so It's hard to even know who's a good and bad guy in the Protoss campaign because that one is the one that's so obsessed with, like, 
is this a backstab? No, is this one yeah. now the this is the backstab on the backstab? Who right. is in charge here? <laughs> like who's even calling any of these shots? Uh yeah. yeah, I I I can totally I can totally get that, but I don't know. I think I like the self-seriousness and maybe it's cuz I don't have decades of experience and memory of it and I'm just like seeing it as this thing from 1998. I'm excited to play Brood War because they're I think the supporting characters in Brood mm -hmm. War are are more interesting. I feel like as I like the way I remember them is they're more interesting. We still will have a lot of Protoss characters that I don't feel like I'm really going to care about that much. Yeah. Um, but I remember the Terran characters in particular have like kind of a, a unique yeah. vibe. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, let's talk a little bit about gameplay and then let's get into these, uh, these campaigns, shall yeah, we? Absolutely. Uh, so obviously, as we sort of talked about earlier, uh, the first off, it's an RTS. All right, we get it. There's there's build commands, there's buildings that you build stuff out of. But the thing that makes StarCraft important is that within each faction, you really do like think about what you're doing in a vastly different way. Uh, yeah. So like uh, from a mechanical point of view, you have to do things like so every faction has their worker their worker is like yeah. the one thing all of these factions have in common but even within that you get the seeds planted of what is different between them because you've got scvs which are these little mining robots and the, those are the terran the terran workers, yeah. uh, the human ones uh, and their their kind of special thing is they can repair each other uh, so that's their way of refreshing health. Otherwise, you, you know, they take damage and they die easily because they're weak little units and they mine for right. stuff. And they also build buildings like you would expect in every other game you've played before right. this. Uh, and, they're, and while they're building the building, they're busy yep. building it. When they're done, you can tell them to do something else. Exactly. Uh, then you have the Zerg drones, the Zerg units. Uh, they don't heal each other. They just heal over time. If you just if you can get one to escape and run off into the woods, it will just slowly over time get itself back up well, to if, full health. It, if it's on so so the Zerg on are the, the insectoid right. bug bug faction. Um and they also have this interesting idea that Warcraft three expands upon, which is uh the idea of creep, yeah. which is like a goo that covers uh the ground around any of the well not any, but uh, of specific Zerg buildings. Yeah. Um, and a drone, uh, if you tell a drone to build a building, it mutates, it becomes that yeah. building. Yeah. And you lose that, that, that drone is now gone. It has become the building. Right. Um, and I feel like, I, I like that you're zeroing in on the worker units because it really shows you like how asymmetrical yeah. they decided uh, yeah. this would all be. And you're right. Uh, the Zerg, they have, they have health uh, and it just regenerates if you're hanging out on yeah. uh, the creep. Uh, Terran are mechanical and they can repair each other. And then last, of course, uh, is uh, the Protoss. Yeah, the Protoss um, have uh, shields. So they have two health bars, technically. Uh, and so in your workers, you have a health bar and you won't revitalize your health. But you have a shield on top of that that recharges relatively quickly. So as long as you can take minimal damage to your units in Protoss, they'll come back really quickly. And the other big difference with Protoss is... Uh, when a probe goes out to build something, the notion of all Protoss stuff is actually 
You're not building anything. You're summoning stuff from where the Protoss are actually from. They're opening right. up portals in space yep. and time. Uh, and so you are calling buildings through the portal to here or calling units through the portal to here or whatever. And so when you build a building as a Protoss, your probe just goes uh, initiate warp sequence of building and the building will start to do that. But your probe can go do something else. So your, bro right. your probes can be so much more active and like always mining. And that helps because Protoss units on the whole are like more expensive and you need to keep them around more. So whereas like with Zerg, uh, the most basic unit of a Zerg, you get a Zergling. Well, when you build a Zergling, you actually build like what, two or four or whatever. You get like, two. Yeah, you build two. They're worth half of your supply. So, you know, a, right. a, a 200 supply army worth of Zerglings would actually be 400 Zerglings. Yeah. So they all there's this rock, paper, scissors aspect of it where um, they're kind of all at like different parts of the like kind of golden triangle. Yeah where the Zerg are, are cheap, uh, but their units are flimsier. Yep. Um, and they, you know, they will, they will die quicker, but they all have more of them. Uh, Protoss units are expensive, and they, but they last a lot longer. They have yep. these shields that recharge, mm -hmm. um, but they're expensive. And if you kill, killing a Protoss unit means more than killing right. five Zergs or whatever. Right. right. Um, and then you have the Terran that are like kind of somewhere in between, yep. right? They're not, they're neither super expensive uh nor are they you know like super cheap they're just kind of yeah. like your your medium your your mario yeah. basically um and i for the record i have and always will be a terran player and the reason is i like their voices that's all it was <laughs> is that when i was a kid i was like i like that these guys are hicks yeah um and i just really fell in love with a lot of their units uh specifically uh the siege tank um, oh yeah yeah. And you know what? Maybe we should talk about, like, we should showcase some. I'm not really sure when we're going to talk specifically about the units. Um, sure. So, like, just, just to spotlight a few of them, because I feel like part of the genius of StarCraft is how well the asymmetry is executed. Yep. And a lot of that comes out in just, like, what are their unit abilities? Yeah. You right. know, what are the things that make, that allow them to kind of endorse strategies mm -hmm. that are very particular just to that faction and the terran have this unit called the siege tank the siege tank is uh, a tank that just kind of rolls around and yeah. can shoot like a tank and it doesn't do very much damage but it has a mode it can go into called siege mode where it kind of puts down these hydraulic things that kind of hold it in place so it can yeah. no longer move but it can launch like artillery fire yeah. basically um and god they are a lot of fun they are just the <laughs> the most fun thing to me yeah. is just having a bunch of siege tanks and plopping them down in the middle of an enemy base and just like unleashing hell yeah. everywhere right um especially against like zerg units it's very fun because zerg units are really flimsy yeah so you get a satisfying just like siege tanks go down they start launching artillery and just stuff just yeah. starts blowing up and oh my god kill, kill a wave good. and i'm eight years old <laughs> and i'm just i'm just blowing shit up i'm just in i'm at the computer that we got from compact usa or whatever and i'm just blowing shit up and just yelling uh -huh. you know uh for great, me great time I, I was a i was a starcraft 2 protoss player but for whatever reason, when I play StarCraft 1, I just rarely kind of gravitate towards Protoss, and I, I seem to like Zerg more in StarCraft yeah. 1, and I don't know what that's about. I think the most fascinating thing to me is it's not about a specific unit necessarily, although it kind of mostly applies to Zerglings. The idea of a lot of the Zerg stuff is 
you can get a ton of units on the board, right? Right. Uh, what I love about the balance, the self-balance within Zerg is, uh, you know, with, with a Terran uh, barracks, you know, it can produce a Marine at a time. You can build a bunch of barracks. You can build a ton of Marines at a time or whatever. Uh, the way the Zerg work is you just have these larvae that come out of your hatchlings. And right. if you build a spawning pool, uh, you can now build Zerglings. The spawning yeah. pool has nothing to do with the actual production of each individual right. Zerg. It just unlock. It is a tech upgrade that you built sure. on the map that could be destroyed. Yeah. The larvae that spawn at these hatcheries are where your units come out. So if you want more units on a cycle, you just need more hatcheries, which is I to me, it's fascinating because, you know, with so many with the other two factions, you need one base per like mining area. Starcraft, especially in the competitive scene, is very much just like this is where your command center goes. Here's all the crystals around it in a nice little arc. Here's your one or two Vespine geysers. Those are your two currencies. Chris, uh, what is it called? Minerals. Minerals and uh, and gas. And that's all you need. And it's just sort of these like perfectly set up little bases. It's sort of like the one thing that sort of goes beyond any sense of actual space or whatever. It's like, oh, look, right. here's a perfect spot for a base. But what I just love about Zerg is you you build these hatcheries and very often you just have to build extra hatcheries like in, in your base area because that's where my units come out of and I just have to get more larvae on the board if I want to be able to flood units out of this. And so even right. then from a base design perspective, a Terran base and what you need to do to infiltrate a Terran base is different than the base design of a Zerg base and what you need to do to infiltrate a Zerg base. And I just think that stuff is like so fascinating that like the struggles are different. And so then you get, this is more a multiplayer thing we can talk about, but it's very true in the campaign because the campaign is, if anything, a uh, an introduction to just the game, right? They they right. they made this campaign, these three campaigns, just to introduce you to all of the units of each faction mm -hmm. and teach you how to play it, and that's it. And so each campaign within its ten missions will get you to like play the different matchups and experience each thing as you roll it out and like learn how to efficiently build your base or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it only ever throws like one new unit at yeah. you at a time and a lot of the times that new unit is the key to uh winning that level right sometimes it's not true it's not like the it's not perfect design in that way yeah um but there yeah there are a lot of really good examples of it let's get into the campaign sure. so we've got three uh they start you off with the terran campaign uh which has a really nice ramp up of story and gameplay mm -hmm. of just kind of showing you you are on some backwater planet and you discover the Zerg yeah. as like a creeping uh, problem. Uh, and and you sort of deal with everything going on on this planet. There is some sort of Terran government that you sort of have vague awareness of, but they yeah. honestly don't really, they kind of miss the opportunity to sort of have uh, a real like villain uh, yeah. to that aspect of the game. But basically... Uh, the Terran government doesn't care about these Zerg that have shown up on this planet, mm -hmm. um, and you end up joining a ragtag team of militia terrorists yeah. uh, in order to not only fight the Zerg, uh, but fight your own government and sort of overthrow it, yeah. basically. Um, and each, there are kind of just a few types of StarCraft missions. Mm -hmm. um, a majority of them are just build a base, 
and fight the computer opponent. Yep. Uh, maybe you have to kill all of their buildings. Maybe you just have to kill like their main building. Sometimes it's really nebulous. I will say that's kind of a nitpicky criticism. Sometimes to complete a level, you just have to kill one building that oh, it yeah. doesn't tell you which building it is. <laughs> Not an important special building. Yeah. It'll just be the, Go you find know, it. the... <laughs> Yeah, just find it. You just have to find it. Um, and if you know where it is, you can kind of cheese the level. Right. I will say that. Yeah. Um, and there are a few that I just have memorized, which yeah. kind of sucks. So, like, I will just... It, it's very easy to cheese yourself out of having fun. Mm. Um, but also, the goal of the campaign, by and large, is to uh, be a tutorial. Yeah. Um, there is another type of level that I like quite a lot and is sort of a precursor to the entirety of Warcraft 3, right. in my opinion, and also sort of the precursor to the idea of the MOBA, yeah. which um, each campaign has a installation level. Um, this is a level where you do not have a base. Yep. You generally have a special hero unit and then a bunch of other units, and maybe you even find some more as you explore, but you're just in... You're in a level where you are just exploring and fighting. And a mm -hmm. lot of the time, in order to survive the level, you sort of have to approach it like it's a puzzle game. Yeah. Where each little room, each encounter, you need to be doing, you mean you need to be using the proper abilities mm -hmm. and uh, kind of micromanaging your units in such a way as to uh, survive it. Yeah. Um, each campaign has one. They're not all interesting. The Terran one in particular is just kind of nothing. Right. Um, because you don't have... You don't have an, any Terran units with like cool abilities yet, yeah. so they don't have a way to do the like puzzle stuff. They do it way too early, but I this is the part for me where because I did like Warcraft three and even Starcraft two first, coming back to this side of the campaign feels a little bit like actually stepping backwards. I would say Starcraft right. never feels like stepping backwards to me, actually. D despite right. like obviously the graphics are older, but I'm an adult. <laughs> I can I can look past that. But from a gameplay perspective, a lot of the campaigns feel very samey to me. Uh, or a lot of the missions, I should say, feel feel really samey to me. Whereas this is obviously where Blizzard like really started to step up their game uh, in later games. Because Warcraft 3 is like all about crazy, intricate level yeah. design and and and, mm -hmm. and hero based stuff good, I, good objectives basically yeah, right give give the player something interesting to do yeah. with the rts stuff being like well that's just how they accomplish right. this goal right yeah. well and especially too that's the part to me where i at least have respect for starcraft because the reason i hold starcraft in such high regard is it's so ultimate of an rts to me it perfects the formula so much. That's why Warcraft three to me is like, well, we got to just like try weird, stupid other shit. Like we have to, we sure. have to do weird stuff with the missions because otherwise it's just going to be Starcraft again, because like we sort of did it. So to me, Starcraft is at least holistic in that regard. And the, like, to me, the missions you're describing, uh, you, you said it, but th in Starcraft, there's, there's essentially two terms that matter. There's micro and there's macro. Macro right. is base management. It's being able to quickly get through all of your buildings and maintain a steady flow of income and output of units. And it's really just the economy of the whole game. Micro is the like actual doing stuff with your units, getting them to move sure. around. And the big thing within that is, like Hunter said, a lot of your units have unique abilities. And I would say this is the thing that like StarCraft also like really ramped up compared to previous games previous games it's like oh yeah you have units they have like 
you know, air is good against sea, is good against land or whatever. Right. Now it's like, no, 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 no. You have an EMP that's good against this type of unit in an in an area of effect or whatever. But that ramped up the micro as well, because it's not just about moving your units around. It's about activating that ability from that thing in this specific, you know, little area to do the most damage possible. The other big thing in these like these these inside of base missions or whatever is that micro is also like for me, my perspective is always like a careful doctor with my units where it's like yep. oh no yep. that guy's getting into the red uh, he's got to be at the back of the line because they'll always shoot like whatever you know enters the foray first and so it's like this super careful management of trying to cycle out the weaker units to the back line or whatever uh, or especially so many uh missions are about like keep jim alive keep kerrigan alive and right. that becomes this whole other task of like well kerrigan's got the ghost abilities that are good that i want but if I let her get touched, <laughs> I, I'm inching closer and closer to her eventual death. There's a risk reward there, but I will say the instant fail state of losing one of the named mm -hmm. hero units means that we're just not going. Yep. I mean, actually, yeah. I will call out one example later, but but for the most part, you won't use the they hero live at units. Home. <laughs> in, yeah, they live at home because, I mean, it's so easy for to just kind of lose track yeah. or not realize how much they're being hit i mean of, of course you know someone that's very very good at starcraft might be like oh yeah no i i can do it and yeah, it's like yeah. well that's cool for you but i i think for the level that me and matt are at it's yeah. like they live in the base yep <laughs> we let them stay at home because if they die we lose yeah um i will say this uh one th one thing i want to push back on is the installation missions one of the things that i love about them in in regard to the difference between starcraft and warcraft 3's mm -hmm. version of this is that because starcraft is is earlier and the there are less abilities to go around compared to warcraft 3 warcraft yeah. 3 like every unit has like a special ability that right. can be unlocked right um and they have hero units that have like multiple abilities yeah but uh the difference to me is that because starcraft doesn't have that to lean on it's almost all about the micro yes. it's almost all can you move the units around in such a way as to like solve this puzzle? Yeah. And I like that it has that to lean on yeah. so much. Um, and it does feel like it teaches you micromanagement For a sure. little bit. It so, does, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like the, the Terran one is the least interesting because we don't have as much many abilities, but it's still, it's still a cool practice yeah. to throw at the players. Like, can you just realize that you need to like, arrange your units in a particular mm -hmm. way as to like make them more effective or like matt was saying like redistribute the ones that are hurt yep. make sure that the healthier ones are to the front um i want to highlight a few missions mm -hmm. uh that are particularly good um they're not all bangers in my opinion um i'm excited to play brood war because i think there's a lot more uh good missions in brood war um they're one of my favorite missions from when i was a kid is uh the third Terran mm -hmm. mission. This is the first, like, I would say, even sort of challenging one. Yeah. Um, it is a mission where there's a timer of, I think, 45 minutes or 30 minutes. 30, 30 minutes. 30. Yeah. And you just have to defend your base. That's all you have to do. Yeah. You do not have to, you know, kill the Zerg. You could. Yeah. If you want, you could go on the offensive. Yeah. But there's a shit um, which is ton of Zerg. Most of it's the fun, map though. is Zerg. <laughs> Well, I'm not I, on that level. That's for sure. I start. I started to do it and like got hit with a counterattack while all my stuff was away. I had to reload this mission like three times. I'm very bad at oh, Starcraft. Damn. I'm very okay. bad at Starcraft. Okay. 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 
we're now I'm realizing you're gonna the full see what reality. we're talking about. <laughs> okay, well, sometimes it's fun to play it defensively too, um, because it's like you keep the pressure up. You know yeah. what I mean? The one of the things that's not satisfying about going on the offense on on this level is that let's say you don't even finish. Like let's say you kill like one half uh-huh. of the the zerg base. Uh, but the other one is still strong. Well, that means that half isn't going to be sending any waves at right. you anymore. Right. And the the defense part is no longer just going to be a very big deal at yeah. all. Yeah. Um. But it's it's a fun mission. Uh. I always look uh forward to it. Uh. It has this dramatic moment where these where drop ships show up to protect you, just as like uh waves and waves yeah. of Zerg, like way too many Zerg are like coming at you. It's a nice dramatic moment. Right. And it's the first time the game says to you like, Hey, we're going to give you like like alternative uh mission objectives yes, right where it's not just kill everything on the map or yeah. or you know it'll be sometimes the, you'll just have to play defense right um there's another one later in the campaign that i really like a lot too where a a battle cruiser called the norad 2 mm-hmm. which is piloted by a bad guy uh called the duke yeah uh it crashes on a planet and you decide, even though this guy is your enemy, to um, rescue him to try and convince him to join your ragtag team of terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does, uh, <laughs> e- easily. He's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I'll just do it. Um, doesn't really take much convincing. Uh, but it's cool because you are trying to launch. Uh, you're not, again, it's another mission where you do not have to kill all of the Zerg. Yep. All you have to do is get to this downed battle cruiser that is in the center of the map, surrounded by uh, Zerg forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's being attacked by it too, so it's a, it's also sort of like that defensive mission where yep. you're like you have to make sure to micromanage uh, the defending units by the the crash site while also building up a base and then sending in your kind of rescue squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly wish the mission was a little bit more difficult um, because as a kid I kind of learned like what the optimal strategy is for like setting up and getting in there and you can uh-huh. do it really fast if you know just exactly what to do yeah um but very fun mission and i always uh look forward to it a lot of the other missions in the terran campaign i i do not really care for yeah that much um i think generally speaking a lot of it's so early at this point that mm-hmm. we don't have enough interesting things to play with and also i think the terran campaign has some missions that are just kind of needlessly long or mm-hmm. just kind of like in particular, I really do not like the last mission where all you have to do in general, actually I will say the bad Starcraft one missions are okay. Build a base. Yep. Now you have to kill this one building, Yep. a special building. If you kill it, you win. Cause a lot of times the solution to that very easy like it's just not (laughs) actually that hard to do there might be a lot of units and Mm -hmm. if you are maybe playing the game in a sort of mode of like oh well i also just want to wipe the the map clean Uh of all of my enemies well yeah sure you might enjoy that but also you'll be just taking longer on this level for no reason if you just beeline it to if you just build as many battle cruisers as you can yeah send them to the The ion cannon they will destroy it like it they're you know even even while they're being attacked you know even throw some shuttles in the air just to soak uh enemy fire you know (laughs) there's a lot of like trick the computer Uh into doing dumb stuff and you just get away with these like kind of hot drop tactics 
It's kind of fun in its own right. Yeah. Like, you I do risk everything. I love that that stuff is there because I did not get to that point with really any of these missions. I would say the, the NORAD one, you can see it, right? Because yeah. the whole point is what's so good and tempting about that mission is, you know, you're almost always like in a base in the corner, right? Oh, start and start right. building your base over here in the corner. And your base is really small. Really and small. The, the enemy has the entire map. Yeah, the whole basically. rest of the map. Or, or especially because this is fog of war stuff too. Uh, you just don't even know what the hell is out there. The whole just point is know. I gotta go. But you need to scout. The, the NORAD one, you do have control of the like two bunkers and couple units that are defending the NORAD. And the key thing there is it's like right over there. It's just like, it's like a hop, skip, and a jumping away. And you're yeah. like, God, I can tell. All I got to do. And the mission is like, get two dropships and Jim Rayner there. And I'm like, well, I I can do that. Like, I don't need to right. <laughs> I don't need to macro here. If I can yeah. just hope against hope that I make it through, I'll try. Uh, and, and that's how the feeling of a lot of the kill X or building missions yeah. feel is, is an extension of that. They've taught you, listen, you can just try to beeline for this. Now, if you're really bad, like me at these games, it, you still, you sort of send the wave in and you get annihilated. And you're like, oh shit, I gotta do it again. Cause I'll, I'll get like two to three control groups. You can have 12 units selected at a time. Uh, right. Which is the, I would say the biggest age I feel when playing these games is newer yeah. RTSs. Uh, you can have way bigger selection groups that are, are helpful, but this one is very restrictive. Uh, but within that, I get like three control groups ready and I'm ready to storm the base and yeah, I get wiped clean a lot and I don't know why I'm just bad. Like I'm just don't, I don't have the stuff where it needs to be and I'm really bad at <laughs> micro and especially the big thing is uh, uh, ramps. Ramps in this game are like a huge deal. There's, there's a yeah, high ground not... and a low ground yeah. on all maps and uh, it, you, you can't really attack most units that are above you because you just can't quite see them. Your, your fog of war is really restrictive in that way. But also, this is where the other aspect of the age of the game comes in because trying to get a bunch of units to go up a small ramp that is a choke point within it, a lot of times their pathing AI can really confuse itself. <laughs> and so you will find yourself really half it reminds me of a uh, hunter year experience with pikmin basically where it's sure, like yeah. cross the bridge please everybody don't screw this up yeah and very often i'll be trying to move stuff and the biggest the biggest factor here is when you're trying to move units that can attack with range if you don't get the order right you'll have some units that do not have range this is like more true in like a zerg campaign kind of thing but it's like sure. if you let your hydralisks get stuck on the ramp before all of your zerglings have made it up you got a big boo-boo on your hands because none yeah, of your you zerglings are going to do anything at all and you're right, just going right. to lose everything. Yeah, uh, you, you can just screw up <laughs> yeah. in the way you send your units into battle and lose a battle just yeah. because you did not micro correctly. Yeah. That uh, absolutely can be so a thing. From my perspective, so much of these missions are are quite hard because again, too, I'm like, I'm relearning a lot of this stuff. I haven't played RTSs sure. in like a long time. Um, but I played a lot of StarCraft 2. I got, I, I did not get good at StarCraft 2, but I gained a really good fundamental understanding of how to play StarCraft 2. And I, I was able to carry that stuff into StarCraft 1. I'm just still bad at the execution of all of that. And so a lot of these missions uh, feel very panicky for me i just get like yeah. overwhelmed with the sense of and the that mission three that you described is a perfect example of this where 
for 27 minutes, that mission is not that big of a deal, basically. Uh, you can just sit there and you can be building your units and a few Zerglings will come in and you'll deal with them. And then later, a, a couple more Hydralisks will join a few Zerglings and you'll mm. deal with them. And then the last three minutes, they're like, okay, every single unit on the map is going to now storm your base. Uh, right. And you you can definitely lose in those final moments and luckily starcraft lets you just like save state at any time in a mission uh and i had to save state a few times in the last few uh moments of that mission to like actually properly survive the final push and it leads to this anxiety i have in most missions which is like am i macroing enough am i macroing enough i have no idea i might not know until the very very end of this mission if i macroed enough there's like no way you know 15 minutes in in that mission there's no way to know if i'm building enough stuff if i have the correct amount of units to survive the onslaught at the end and it's it adds attention like it adds a, such a scary yeah. factor to the missions when i'm playing them and i really wish that i could open a time portal and pull nine-year-old me uh -huh. out of it and have you play nine-year-old me because i i was better at this game when i was nine like absolutely really? that's funny and i would absolutely annihilate you oh yeah and it sure. just would be funny that yeah. nine-year-old hunter would be sitting there like eh, i got you mister ha, i did it like, and, and you'd be like fubing yeah, over there yeah. like i i just i wish i wish that was possible uh just to see yeah. um because yeah i mean i I played the original, especially the original campaign. I didn't replay Brood War as much, but I replayed the original campaign so much mm. when it came out. I think it was because I was scared for a while to get to dip into multiplayer. Oh yeah, I was I was scared to play against other people. So I remember, especially before, because I also another fun fact about this is that by the time I'm like eight, like seven or eight, I have that my two primary like game stuff that I'm paying attention to is Final Fantasy and like Blizzard RTSs. Yeah. These are like my my number one and number two. And yeah. I don't even know at the time, I mean, through the course of my life, I feel like I've been more of a Final Fantasy kid. But when I was like, when these things were coming out and they were new, they both felt equally yeah. vital. Yeah. And what that means is that I got StarCraft and then StarCraft Brood War was something that came out later. And they both came out in the same year. <laughs> right. So I was on it. <laughs> and I think, especially in that first year, I played so much yeah. of the base campaign that I can remember doing these missions every which way you can think of doing. Yeah. I can remember doing them like really fast because I was nervous and just wanted to like get it over with. I can remember basically wiping every map clean, just playing <laughs> it like a maniac, yeah, yeah. just being like, I have to kill every single unit and I don't even care what the objective is. I just have to kill... <laughs> all that's 100 mode hunter wants 100 starcraft <laughs> i would expand into new bases for no reason uh -huh. like i didn't even need to yeah. i would just be like but i want this yeah. now that's <laughs> this is my part of the map now i want to have this part yeah uh so yeah. i would just you know i'm like already winning the mission but i'm gonna take an extra half hour just just doing cleanup just yeah. doing a little bit of cleanup you know we got to make sure we got, I'm like role playing too. I'm like, oh, I want to be good. I want to make sure that everybody, you know, mm -hmm. that everyone's safe, you yeah. know, and that I've, I've rebuilt. I, th th it's like they were like cities to me. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've, I've now expanded everywhere. Uh -huh. Um, so yeah, I, I, that, that is, I, that's how maniacal I was about playing these, this game. C can I ask then, do, do the terms, do some of these terms have a, have as deep of a meaning to you? Uh, I'm just going to read a couple things off here. 
uh, modify the phase variance. Show me the money. Something for nothing. Oh, sure. Operation uh, Seawall. You're, 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 reading, you're reading out the cheat codes. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, I kind of, I think I got lucky with the cheat codes because I didn't find out about them until much later because I was just good. a little kid. Yeah. I didn't know, I, I didn't know that you could cheat at this game. Now, when I found out, did I have fun with them? Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely had fun with them. And it also was like, if I just wasn't feeling a mission, I would just type in power overwhelming and we that's, would just get through it. Yeah. That's what I was doing towards the end of a lot of these missions was especially, especially in the like race to play stuff for this show that always kind of looms over me. Uh, there was a lot of, at the very least, give me lots of money uh, and let me do uh, Operation Seawall is the one I really, I really like where it's like instant build or build very, very quickly where I'm just like, oh, sure. I know yeah. the pace of this. I just need it to actually physically go faster. And I think what happens, and I don't know this for sure. This is a thing I know is true uh, for Age of Kings, uh, Age of Empires 2. And I assume it holds over in Starcraft because that's how I play a lot of uh, Age of Empires 2 with cheat codes. But with like granting money and like making upgrades go faster it does it for the enemy as well like it's not just you that gets that benefit in in, in these games oh. sometimes i don't know if that's true for starcraft but that's like my hope and i know it's true for age of kings uh, i do not think that that is yeah. true for starcraft because if you turned on invincibility how would that work oh well not not or... so no not all of them but i'm talking about the oh, like okay. the, the like things that are just sort of like light cheat codes i just love that this stuff is in these games because this is our version of a, a difficulty slider at this time like this is my difficulty slider in these games is like right. i screw there there are times where i just screw things up really royally and I, like i i forgot to expand or whatever i'm definitely going to lose the mission but instead yeah. i can just like you know what let me give myself a, a ten thousand dollar loan uh and just i'll just have the money to carry on with this mission and i'll know i know right. in my heart i failed but i don't need to go through the rigmarole of restarting the whole mission how about sure. i just keep going and and i just get to do that basically yeah, I mean, like, the the thing about, especially the money cheat, is that you start realizing, like, wow, they give me a very particular amount of money, and I need to spend it the best way. Yeah. And sometimes you can invest wrong. Yeah, definitely. It can be like, oh, wow, I built a lot of a unit that is really not going to help me not with getting this mission done, yeah. but I've already invested the money. The money is gone. Right. You know, it's and I can't get it back. Yep. I've invested it in these units. Can't turn them back into money. So uh, that's that's absolutely a very interesting fail state that you can find uh, in StarCraft missions. I wanted to call out a few uh, a few more missions yeah. in the like, if we talk about the Zerg campaign a little bit. Yeah. Um. So the Zerg campaign that the campaigns happen sequentially. Right. Like as far as story goes, which is an interesting trick that they then yeah. uh, reuse to I think great effect in Warcraft Three. Notably, though, in StarCraft, you can play them in any order. I mean, they they're they get more difficult, so it's like yeah. you wouldn't be encouraged to. And also, like, what's actually happening wouldn't necessarily make sense. But like that Zerg campaign is just available to you right away, which I think is great. Right. And and also reinforces the idea that like these are just tutorials. Like like these whole campaigns are primarily just tutorials to teach you each of these factions. So if you just wanted to learn Zerg, you could just dive into the Zerg campaign right away. Yeah, it definitely tries to tell you to play them in order. Yeah, it says though, episode say one, episode two, episode three. It tells yeah. you there's an order, yeah. but they are all just sitting there for you. Right. Um, but yeah, so the Zerg campaign uh, is where they pull off uh, their, their, their first big story trick, yep. which is that a character from the Terran campaign, Kerrigan... Uh, who was one of the the helpful characters? She was your your ghost sniper mm -hmm. type character with some special abilities. Well, she has been uh, 
uh, inducted into the Zerg, and now <laughs> she is a Zerg queen. Uh-huh. And you will, and that's cool because now you get to continue playing with a character yep. who you are familiar with from another campaign, uh, which is very useful because all the rest of the Zerg supporting characters are insane, ridiculous. Yeah. They're not uh, characters, and, and, basically. They're just yeah. These they have very silly voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're they're. It's like you're playing as a weird uh alien race that would be in like one episode of star trek yeah, right um and that's kind of what all the dialogue is and it's it's fairly ridiculous again this would be like i think to me it would be a time for like it to be a little humorous or mm-hmm. just a little sillier um and said it like kind of takes itself a little too seriously in a way that i find a little bit it just i just get tired of it yeah. like eventually i'm just mm-hmm. kind of like oh i'm ready for this to be over yeah um I do really like the installation mission um, in the Zerg campaign. It's a Zerg mission number five. Yep. Um, mostly because there's a lot. It's just, it's very fun to play with uh, the infested Terran mm-hmm. uh, unit in particular, which is a, a unit that it just kind of runs at the enemy and then <laughs> it blows up uh-huh. and that's great. Um, and especially <laughs> in the context uh, and it does, it hurts. It does friendly fire as well. Yeah, so you yeah. have to be very careful with how you use it <laughs> in the context of a installation mission that that could be a, a self-own yeah. own goal right. fail state that you've created for yourself yeah um and i like the tension of that uh very fun of course to learn a little bit of of zerg micro yeah uh, in that level and zerg mission number eight i've always really loved um i forget what it's called but it is a mission where you are trying to prevent these characters called the dark templar which yeah. are, the, are these cloaked protoss units you're trying to prevent them from escaping at these three different points uh, on the map mm-hmm. um and honestly what's cool about it is it's another it's like the opposite of the the terran 3 mission mm-hmm. you no longer really need to focus on defending your stuff it's kind right. of a given that you are not under attack here they're just trying to escape yeah and that is a fun kind of twisting of uh the general vibe a lot of the other zerg missions i don't know they're whatever <laughs> um i i, I also, Zerg is my least favorite to play mm. overall, so you should take, that, you know, you shouldn't really take my opinion very seriously. That, that's where it flips for me. Terran is the one I don't actually like playing very much, so I get really burnt out on Terran missions, but I like right. I like Zerg-based design more. Now, I will say, I actually, I even, I kind of like Zerg even more in StarCraft 2, but the problem is I like Protoss way, way, way more in StarCraft 2, and I don't, Fair. I could not, for as of right now... I cannot tell you why. I do not know why. I will say, doing these episodes, I'm like really ready to to play through the StarCraft II campaigns after all this is said and done. I very much yeah. would like to do that. Uh, I'm I'm kind of itching for it. But I I like the Zerg stuff more because I think I just like going through the Zerg base stuff. Uh, I think a big part of this is my I'm really bad at the the base management for Terran, which is like, you know, oh, I, you need like eight barracks and you need like four factories or, or more or whatever, like right. get a shit ton of these buildings. And I'm, I just forget to do that. I'm bad about doing that. But I love that Zerg is basically just a tech tree. Get the build the building once, build a shit ton of hatcheries and you're probably going to be all right uh, through and right. through. I, I think it's so much simpler on the macro side and maybe that's why I like it. Now it, it demands more on the micro side and I'm not good at that either, but whatever. I, at least I'm not overly thinking about two things at once basically right um and just to kind of summarize what ends up happening in the the zerg campaign ends with the overmind who is like the hive mind Mm -hmm. that takes care of all the zerg kind of establishes himself in uh on the protoss home planet right 
Um, and notably, Kerrigan uh, kinds of makes a run for it. Yeah. Um, and, and actually exits the story, and you don't see any more of Kerrigan for the rest of, of StarCraft One. Yeah. Um, and then we go on to uh, the Protoss campaign, which I think is probably overall the best one, even though I do not like the Protoss uh, characters at all. I don't like any of them. I just, I just don't, I just don't like them. Uh-huh. Um, later, uh, there is a Protoss character that maybe improves a little bit just because of his relationship to Jim Rayner. Uh-huh. Uh, but overall, listening to the Protoss characters talk to each other is actually worse than I think listening to the Zerg characters talk to each other because the Zerg characters are ridiculous and their dialogue is so over the top and hokey. Yeah. Whereas the Protoss have like, like kind of inner conflict yeah that's happening with them yeah that just kind of it, it's it's boring it's just very boring i'll, I'll speak to story stuff that happens in sci-fi uh, Terran is good from a story perspective because if we get to the quote unquote lore of a of the Terran stuff it's cool alternate history whatever right we're just kind of yeah, thinking they're like, about they're like what, australia they're yeah. kind of a space yeah. australia situation uh, but it's always fun in fiction to like get to explore that kind of a space right of just like yeah. oh, what, oh that they're the proper what if and the zerg are like what a, what if we take a species and give them a completely different hierarchy of like social structure or whatever right? Sure. the zerg just don't care about their units dying there's no sense of individuality what does that mean and and the campaign at least somewhat explores that the idea that kerrigan is gaining any sort of will of her own is like a problem right. for the zerg the protoss are the like let's get really esoteric with the lore and talk about ancient 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 history and it's stuff that i just like i get into uh like Elder Scrolls games, but I like the politics of Elder Scrolls games. I would call that the Terran stuff of Elder Scrolls games of like what's been happening sure. super recently and where are these characters going? But the stuff that's just like about like the creation of the universe was this thing and then the as this led to the great awakening of the whatever Silmarillion that, type stuff. The Silmarillion bullshit is like what the Protoss campaign feels like it's all about, or at least is like the language all the characters are using. And I definitely agree it gets like very tiresome because it's just like they're not inviting you into what anybody's fucking talking about they're just really obsessed with the lore that somebody wrote for this stuff sure. yeah <laughs> it it's it, i don't know it's it it features the 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 character the main character of the protoss campaign is sort of the hero mm-hmm. of starcraft one this guy called tassadar yeah um who just looks ridiculous he looks like some sort of like he's wearing some sort of anteater mask or something <laughs> like that he just looks insane and it's it's just hard to get past that the the mission design uh for protoss i think we have our best installation mission is protoss because the nature of the protoss is perfect for um a long kind of extended puzzle maze uh-huh. with micro uh stuff and also the the abilities that you have are interesting yeah you have a uh, a psychic storm that you can use to kill groups of units but you also have a hallucination ability to create mirror image fake mm-hmm. units which is like kind of more important for longevity yeah like the more often the enemies are attacking fake units that don't matter mm-hmm. and don't even really do damage the better off you are right and 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 it's it it is a very interesting level um i think for that for that reason it's it's protoss level six um, my favorite level probably of the StarCraft One campaign is also in the Protoss campaign and is Proto- Protoss level number nine, mm-hmm. which is called the Shadow Hunters, yeah. um, which is a very cool level where 
Um, first of all, it's the level where you, I think you have finally unlocked every Protoss unit, which is always a fun moment in yeah. any uh, StarCraft campaign where it's like, finally, we've got everything. Uh, but you also have this character called Zeratul, who is a Dark Templar. Um, he is a cloaked unit who has a very powerful slash. If he dies, the mission is over. That part sucks. But <laughs> it is a mission where you cannot just leave your hero characters in the base. Yeah. They, they state that there are these two, uh, they're called Cerebrates. They're, they sort of control the Zerg uh, hive mind uh, on like a lower level than the Overmind who presumably con controls like most of the Zerg. Yeah. Um, and you have to use Zeratul in particular to kill the Cerebrates. Only his like psychic blade uh, can actually uh, kill them. And what this means is that you and also this is a level where you start at the very bottom of the level you have no base yeah and just a handful of units and you have to build an entire like you basically have to destroy the entire map yeah um based off of just that very humble start and you sort of have one of the only times in the game they give you a very good like funnel for the zerg mm. so you kind of get to spend a lot of the early game focusing on just setting up your defensive position yeah. because you have no choice right? right i mean you're basically like well we're starting like we way outnumbered up. right so we have to build up a defensive position and then push out the mission takes a very long time but the fact that you are very much incentivized to use your hero character in the context of a big like base push yeah. take over the entire map level uh, it works. And Zeratul, because he's constantly cloaked, he has to be like revealed by detector units in order mm -hmm. to be even attacked in the first place, which means you are kind of a little looser with him. Yeah. You do kind of say like, well, it's all right. I, can I don't hide think quickly. he will take... I can escape and yeah. hide and recharge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you actually get some use out of him. And I just I just think it's it's a it's a fantastic mission. Way better than the final mission that, in my opinion, just kind of sucks. <laughs> final mission sucks of the starcraft one campaign you heard it here folks it's yeah. a dumb it's a dumb it's funny. mission you felt the same way about advance wars the final two missions were like huge pains in the ass in that game yeah uh and honestly it's like not that different like the final mission of advance wars and the final mission of this game are like eerily similar like right like you got two bases baby do it all do yeah. more stuff have more stuff to do and that seems like the right kind of climax for a game about base management, but uh, it just doesn't seem to pan out for actually feeling good. <laughs> well, also, uh, it it has its two problems. So the final mission, uh, you have one, you have a Protoss base mm. and you have a Terran base, uh, and they're in opposite corners of the map. And in the center, gigantic Zerg base, and in the center of the map, there is the Overmind, mm -hmm. which you are just trying to kill. Yeah. Uh, if you kill the Overmind, you win. Right. You don't have to kill any other Zerg besides yeah. that one special building. Yeah. And you can see that the problem there yeah. <laughs> is that anytime you have to kill a special building, you can always uh, cheese it if you want yep. um, and just throw lots of fodder, including some powerful units, and get away with it. Um, and yeah, that's how I did it this time because I've always hated this mission. Um, <laughs> when I was younger, if I would play it, I would say the correct way, which is to like actually expand mm -hmm. properly and like it just takes way too long and it's yeah. it's too much to manage. Right. Um, in Warcraft 3, at the very end of that game, Oof. they sort of do a similar gimmick yeah. um, where we have multiple bases, but they let the computer control the yeah. friendly bases. You only control one 
space. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that is, uh, very wise to do it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, overall Starcraft one campaign, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but the game fundamentals are still to me so unbelievably strong. Yeah. Um, and I have a feeling that when we talk about Brood War campaign, we'll have a lot more positive things to say. Right. Well, and, um, and if so. anything, too, I mean, my my take on the campaign is still, I would say, overall positive. Because for, for me, as a person, and we'll get into this in the multiplayer stuff, like, I have this deep-seated interest in StarCraft that uh, I it, it's a check I can't cash, basically. I just always right. love StarCraft more than I love to play StarCraft. Uh, I, I am a, I am my father's relationship to football <laughs> with StarCraft, basically, right. where it's like, he never played football. He doesn't know how to play football, but God damn, he loves the stuff. Uh, I love how much this campaign specifically at least ramps you up. I, I can't, I can barely beat these campaigns i can't beat the last mission of this game i can't do it i i I, i'm Mm. really bad uh but those early missions are the ones i can keep warming myself up with and i can get like i can feel myself learning more about the game like i think they are genuinely good tutorials for the game that i actually want to learn right i want to learn how to like get better at the basics of starcraft and it's interesting to me how much starcraft is invested in that as opposed to again later iterations you know the starcraft 2 campaign is like such a wild mixed bag of ideas so many of which have nothing to do with what like the multiplayer is all about basically and i i find it really endearing that like starcraft is so pure uh and you know the big thing for me is I don't know like where Brood War goes. Uh, I've I've watched all of what happens in Brood War. I've like watched the cinematics mm-hmm. and stuff, but I haven't been playing it yet because I'm very nervous. Because all I know is it's harder. It's for people that got good at StarCraft, and it's gonna kick my ass absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it I don't know. It's hard to say because we'll a lot of the times the challenging missions have really simple solutions mm-hmm. if you're willing to just play with a particular strategy yeah and like i i do think that there's something to be said for playing a riskier just like all right we're just doing a mad dash yeah. for this yeah. if, if there is anything i can say about the protoss campaign that i don't love is that there are a few like maybe one or two too many uh missions where all we have to do is destroy x yeah building yeah um and Shadow Hunters is probably is is actually a destroy specific building uh, level as well, but it feels like it's executed with yeah. like a level of 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 fun and challenge well, that is uh, difficult to cheese. I it, guess it's like you said about Warcraft Three; they've added an interesting enough hook into it of like you do now actually have to you, you don't get to just build you know 10 million carriers or whatever it's like you gotta have this guy's got to be a part of your solution so make that work force it to work uh and and that is a more interesting objective than just kill the thing or whatever i'm gonna do since we since we're not doing any ranking uh, i got an improvised ranking that i'm gonna do as we go for this episode and then in the brood war episode i'm gonna rank all the campaigns as like how i feel about them personally okay now i can say that i i think the protoss one is probably the best one but when it comes to my personal feelings on these campaigns there's a lot of nostalgia (sighs) and very specific things tied up in there um so i'm gonna say that my current rankings is the terran campaign is number one Mm. protoss campaign number two third campaign number three um and we will slot in the brood war campaigns as we go well 
I would like to hear your ranking. The opposite. Well. I like Zerg. Yeah. I like the Zerg stuff, especially I think the story is the most fully realized in the Zerg. Like the Zerg campaign story is the one where actually interesting stuff to me is happening. I I think uh, it's not hokey. You're right. But I, I don't know. I just like there's something about all this stuff that I just like. I like that self-seriousness. And then uh, Protoss is hard, but Terran just kind of bores me. Uh, I just get I, yeah. I get mostly bored with actually doing Terran stuff. I just don't like playing as Terran. Basically, is is really all it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. I I just think that, uh, like, none of them I feel like have a good final mission. Is something I would say. Yeah, sure. I think I think the the better mission is generally the one like right before mm -hmm. uh, the final one, or or a couple before the final one. Yeah. Um, and I just think the Terran missions have those good that I love that third Terran mission. I love that sixth Terran mission. Yeah. Uh, the the NORAD two rescue mission is fun i i feel like you know there's one like really bad one where you just have to kill it's like like it's like a gigantic terran versus terran map but really all you have to do is hit this one area in like the the bottom right corner <laughs> and that sucks and then the ion cannon thing kind of sucks yeah. but there's like there's like a a mission where you uh, are are surrounded by Zerg, mm -hmm. and you can't kill any that of the buildings. That one drives me nuts, man. It's, I love it's a that cool one. concept, but that one I don't know what to do in it. It's so I might yeah, that one trips me up really, really, really bad. Uh, but yeah, well, uh, next week we got to do Brood War and continue this journey. We'll obviously have yeah. less to say about like all of these fundamentals. I feel like we covered this was the long one basically because we're starting. No, they'll all the be long. Okay, I'm that's sure. great. Well, I'm excited then. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because we'll, we got to talk about, I mean, we'll talk about what Brood War fixes yes. about uh, the original formula of right. StarCraft. Um, we'll talk about with the, all of the new units that Brood War brings yeah. are like some of the most interesting units in the entire game. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk about the uh, the campaign, which I am like, I'm open to feeling more positive about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know <laughs> if I will. I remember story-wise it being like more interesting, but that was kid brain talking yeah, yeah. and we don't know what adult brain well, is going to say. Uh, I mean, uh, what I do know is at the very least, it starts Protoss and you just get over that hurdle, right? You got to get past, it's, you got to get past that one. <laughs> it starts Protoss, but you, but Jim Rayner is kind of the is main there. character. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting in that. Well, actually he's not the main character. No, he, he's not, but he's there. He's, he's just there at the beginning. Yeah. You'll, yeah. But yeah, whatever. Well, <laughs> it, it, it'll play out the way it plays out and we'll just see, you know, what we think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, really looking forward to that. Um, and then of course we'll be talking about uh, the multiplayer aspect of StarCraft for an entire um, yep. uh, episode. And when I say multiplayer, I'm talking custom maps. Oh I'm talking regular multiplayer. I'm talking all of it will yeah. just go into... That will be the longest episode, I guarantee you. Yeah. Um, and we will... I have an anecdote about the 2008 or 2007 Radiohead album In Rainbows um, <laughs> to tell you. Um, because I, I... This is how much I love StarCraft. There are nostalgia uh -huh. moments uh -huh. that I left out so that we can talk about them in future episodes. In other words, oh, that's great. Well, can, well I have fantastic. planned out my nostalgia <laughs> moments to reveal per StarCraft episode. So stay tuned. Wow. This, this game really great. is real fucking important <laughs> to me. Okay? I just want to say, for the record, kind of a fucking big one. <laughs> Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac. Oldgamersalmanac.
Stop.